Hey, good morning from Backwoods Theology. It's good to be back with you once again. Uh, I believe we're going to get a little bit more consistent now. I know that we've been a little bit here and there, but uh, again, summer is winding down in Maine and it is just an insanely busy time for all of us. All three of us, we work outdoors and we're just trying to get as much done as we can before the weather changes. And so because of that, we have uh, haven't been able to come to you as much as we would like, but we are going to try to make up for that, uh, especially today. But it's good to have you listening with us today, and I'm grateful to have my two friends with me today. So... Josh, what's going on with you? It's been quite a while. It's been great. It's been a very, very productive summer. Very busy. Uh, for the listener, um, I don't know if you, I don't know what I've said on this podcast in the past, but anyway, um, I have changed um, jobs or job format. I mean, obviously, you know, the three of us are pastors, but because of Backwoods, uh, Maine, sometimes we have to. Uh, do some bivocational things, and um, I used to, for the last 11 years, I've driven a school bus. 11 years? 11 years. Man, doesn't I've, seem like you've done it that long. I've driven a school bus, and um, well, today, as we record this episode, That's today right. is day one of the school year, and I'm not driving the bus. Ooh. That's great. So the Lord has uh, thankfully, uh, prayerfully uh, opened this door. I, I went... I went to my wife back in February of this year, and I said, I need to, I really believe the Lord wants me to get out of this school system. And um, uh, without getting into detail, we all know the direction the public school system is. And uh, I just, I, I felt a, a sense of guilt driving these students to the place and knowing, knowing what they're being taught. And anyway, I just I just knew the Lord wanted me to get out, so I did, and um, I've started a new venture of uh, my own paint service, and um, so which is great because somebody asked me if I had a crew, you know, as we paint houses, do I have a crew? My crew is my wife and my two boys, and um, I absolutely love it that we work as a as a unit. Uh, my wife and I all day yesterday, um, all the way till. Uh, supper time, really, uh, from breakfast till supper, just the two of us working outside, painting this house. And um, what, a, what a blessing uh, to fuss at your, at your employer, <laughs> employee, employer, no, who's under you? An employer. Employee. Employee. Yeah. I'm the employer. So anyway, to fuss at your employee and realize it's your wife and tell her that she's doing things wrong. And <laughs> but it's fun. No, we, we, had, we had such... I don't know. It's it's a blessing to be able to work with your family, and um, anyway, so that's what the Lord's doing, and that's why our summer has been nuts. Because I don't know if you all know this, but everybody's hiring. Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. and um, all this good stimulus money everybody wants to spend on their um, buildings and upkeep, and um, one of one of my slogans as our paint business um, is a coat of paint is an investment, not a, an expense. Hmm. So. That's what That's I like beautiful. to tell people. Isn't that beautiful? <laughs> That's good. I came up with that my own. That's Plus, good. The, and the name of the business. Maybe I should sponsor the podcast. You should. So the name of the business is The Paint Guy. The Paint Guy. So I call it that because I legitimately was painting a house about three years ago. And um, the plumber comes in and says, where's the paint guy? And I was painting a room back corner. And I came around the corner. He asked. He had a question for me. I don't remember where it was. And I thought then, That's a cool name. 
the paint guy. Mm. So there you go. Um, I love original. My wife and I were going to a restaurant in Agunquit, and the name of the restaurant was That Place in Agunquit. So when somebody says, where did you eat? We ate at that place in Agunquit. Mm-hmm. I love that kind mm-hmm. of stuff. Yeah, so yeah, when, yeah. who's painting your house? Huh? The paint guy. Yeah. So, you know, you call the plumber, you call the paint guy. Sure. So. Well, how about you, Chad? What's your summer been like? It's been full. We went to uh, Texas, sold some fireworks, and then we came back, went to Georgia for camp, and then we just got back from a family vacation in Florida and Panama City Beach, and that was great. Um, But I am really ready to be home and just settled in uh, for the winter and the spring. You've been away a lot this summer. I've been away. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Wow. More than I like to be. Yeah. So it's good to be home. Amen. Yeah. How about you? Oh, this summer has been insane as well. <laughs> I I have a wood business. Um, I call my place Lakeview Farm. I live on a lake. And uh, my brother and I have a lot of wooded acreage. And so for years, I've cut wood, cut logs. Uh, and I've last couple of years had a sawmill. So now I'm uh, because of lumber prices, everybody's coming to guys like me trying to uh, get lumber. And so between that, and I've been doing firewood for several years, and it has just been a busy summer. So I'm down to one more lumber order that I need to get done and before others come piling in and trying <laughs> right. to... You know, it's crunch time right now because yeah. fall is coming, which yes. signals everyone wants to get their building done and their firewood in. So mm-hmm. it's been a little crazy, but... I'm thankful it's a rainy day today, so it's a day off for me, which is good because I yeah, typically, same here. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, six days a week at it. So, but anyway, yes, very, very busy, and we're glad to hopefully be able to come to you a little bit more frequently. And we've just been talking about since you know I think it has been wow five or six weeks since we have actually sat down and recorded together. So. Uh, going back and looking, and we've got some other topics which we need to finish up, whether it be the sons of God or the lineage of giants. Uh, we uh, have some other things that we'll probably bring more to, but uh, we just thought we would talk about heaven today. And uh, just of all that's going on in the world, it's wonderful to know that that is in our future. It's a good thing. Amen. Um I remember a, an old uh, Andy Griffith episode about Aunt Bee's pickles, and they <laughs> pulled off this scheme, and Barney Fife said in that episode, he said, man, I don't know if I can live, no, I, I don't know if I could face the future knowing that those pickles are in my future. <laughs> so, but that's a negative, but the positive for the child of God is, regardless of whatever happens, heaven is in our future. So, uh, as... I believe it was the gospel singer Squire Parsons used to say, the best is yet to come, hmm. and I'm thankful for that. So where do we want to get started on that? Who, who wants to lead us off? Well, I think we, we could start with some real simple things, right? Um, and maybe we play a word association game, right? So okay. when you think of, when a person thinks of heaven, what are some things that we think of are there? What does heaven look like in our mind's eye? And so, Josh, what are some things that come to So you're to your talking mind? about just the, com- not what the Bible says, but just what the common, yeah, common thinking. Common, common thinking. Like an everyday, okay. oh, like, an everyday like, Christian. Like everyday streets church. of gold. Okay, streets of gold. Okay. I'm going to see my family. I'm going to, there's a big family reunion waiting mm-hmm. for me. Okay. Uh, mansions, mm-hmm. right? We sing, I've got a mansion just over yep, the hilltop. Yep. 
He, walls. the pearly gates will open. That's right. okay. <laughs> the gates of pearl, walls right. of jasper. Okay. Um, yep. The river, the tree of life. Okay. Yep. Different fruit every season, mm-hmm. every season, every month. Leaves for the healing of the nations. Yeah. Okay. Yep. yep. So I'm trying to think more. You said the crystal sea already. Well, I said uh, the river. Right. But yep. Yep. The crystal sea. I believe sea. there's, um, what's that dumb song? A cottage over in the corner. You know what I mean? I've just got a mansion cottage. over the hilltop. Well, there's a mansion over the hilltop, but I got a cottage in the corner. I'm okay. happy with that. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, that kind of stuff. Okay. So, all right. But what's interesting is most of those descriptions, which are the common descriptions, I think. Of, Maybe not the cottage. <laughs> <laughs> the common descriptions of heaven um, aren't descriptions of heaven in the Bible. We're describing. Uh, I don't know if this is going to be an alarming statement, is biblically, I'm not going to spend eternity in heaven. Um, so we should define that. Right. So right? I, I, say that, I say that as a shocking statement to try to hope that, okay, now do I have your attention? If you're, you know, the most, a, a the lot wow of people, effect. right. A lot of people <laughs> that listen to the podcast, you know, are working, they're doing other things. And this is just kind of background noise, but all of these pictures and things that we've thought about heaven are not in the Bible about heaven. Mm-hmm. It's about somewhere else. And it's actually, if you're the believer, this is where you're going to spend eternity, um, now, my father passed away a little less than a year ago, and he is in heaven now. Um, but his residence is going to change. And anyway, I've set the stage. Hopefully, I've got your attention now. <laughs> this is not heresy that we are proclaiming unto you. It's just, you know, what's amazing is, is you just hear things, and then they just become truth. And if you're asked to go to Scripture and back some of these things up, you can't do it because it's not there. And don't worry, all of this description is the place where if you're the child of God, you're going to reside. Oh, we're going to have streets of gold. Yes. And, you know, oh, yeah. But it's describing somewhere else. That's not where your father or my father-in-law, that's not where they are right now. There's Correct. no streets of gold for them at this right. moment. Yeah. No, I can't find anywhere where it says that heaven has streets of gold. No, mm. it might, but... There is, there isn't that much description of heaven in the Bible. Uh, we're talking about the third heaven. Of course, we've in previous podcasts we've defined biblically that there are three heavens. Um, we're talking about the third heaven where God resides. But anyway, one of you guys take it away. I've I've done the shock. Everyone hates me now who's listening. <laughs> so, uh, so one of you all take it over. Well, okay, Old Testament saints. When they died, they did not go to heaven. Correct. Right? Correct. They, they went to a place uh, Jesus referred to as paradise. Mm-hmm. And I mean, there's I, what, three descriptions of that place? The heart of the earth mm-hmm. in Matthew 12, verse 40. Um, Abraham's bosom. Abraham's bosom. That would be Luke 16, or is it Luke 15? Luke 16. Luke 16. And then paradise, paradise, which would be Luke 23. Is there any other descriptions of the place of holding for the Old Testament saint besides those three, I think? I don't know that there is, but would we all agree that that like there's a definable location for that place? Like if it's so 
Paradise, Abraham's bosom, and you said thirdly, heart of the heart earth. of the earth. Right. Okay. So, I believe that the Bible teaches that um, Paradise, Old Testament saints, their souls went to the heart of the earth, a place called Abraham's bosom. Mm-hmm. I also believe the Bible teaches that that is also where hell is. And that is from the passage in which Jesus talks about the rich man and Lazarus, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So the rich man, uh, and maybe we've covered this before, but but there is a there is a soul body, like the soul is not an immaterial thing. I can't describe it to you with my the limited language we have. But in the rich man and Lazarus, the rich man, okay, his body is corrupting on the earth, right? But and maybe it's buried six feet down. But he lifts up his eyes. In torment, in so the hell. soul has eyes. It's got eyes. He asks, he asks for, for a tongue. La- to he be asks quenched. for uh, his tongue to be quenched, a finger to be dipped in water. Mm-hmm. So he retains a- his identity because he asks for for a witness to be sent to his brothers so that yeah. they would not come to this place. But we learn in that passage. What is that passage? Is that which Bible? Which which gospel? Bible? Which Luke's, Bible? Luke, Luke sixteen. And the 16. King James. That's right. Luke, Luke sixteen. 16 um, but there's there's, there's a gulf too. M- material, materialness is that a word? As best we can to the use soul. the word, mm-hmm. right? But there's so there's a gulf. Yep. So you have hell, a gulf, and paradise, and this is where Jesus, when Jesus died, right, his body went to the to grave, but his soul went to the heart of the, the heart of the earth, and he preached the gospel there, and he took those Old Testament saints with him. To where? To heaven. To, to heaven. heaven. That's okay. That's yeah. Ephesians four. Right. Um, he who would ascend must first descend. Descend. Yeah. Um, so heaven's a place where God's throne is. There's a crystal sea. Like the floor of heaven is a crystal sea. Like that barrier between third and second heaven. So where's the gold? Where Where are the streets of gold? And where are the mansions that Jesus has gone to prepare? Um, well, the, uh, the mansions that he's gone to prepare, according to Revelation 21, are going to descend from heaven like a bride adorned for her husband. So, Mm. uh, those are going to descend, uh, unto the earth. Uh, Brother Chad is referencing John 14, I believe, uh, verse 1, in my father's house are many mansions, for not so I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you, which I, I believe that is to... The nation of Israel. Now we read that all the time at funerals, and and it's a comfort to people. Although I don't believe that's written to the church. That's written unto the nation of Israel there in uh, John chapter number fourteen. Um, but I forgot your second question about the streets of gold. Well, if you mentioned Revelation twenty-one, so you want to walk us through that? Sure, absolutely. Now. In Revelation 21, um, the Bible tells us this is... um, Can I add one thing? Yes. So chronologically, this is at the end of the millennium. Correct. Okay, so we've got however many thousand years of human history, a thousand years of Jesus Christ reigning on the earth through the nation of Israel, and then the, the devil is let loose for a short time. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, the Great White Throne Judgment, and then Revelation then, 21. Then, um, which has been prophesied 
Um, this might be a future podcast. I had a lot of fun yesterday in church preaching through Second Peter 3, which outlines... Remember we did a podcast on the worlds? Yes. And all four worlds are outlined chronologically perfectly in Second Peter 3. Anyway, interesting. So this would begin this fourth world that is going to dwell upon the earth, and that is the world without end. That's from Ephesians 3, I think verse 21, I think. And so this is, there will be those who will live, now this will be upon the new earth. Two times <clears throat> um, God prophesies unto the nation of Israel that he is going to create a new heaven, new heavens, sorry, plural, and a new earth, singular. That is from um, Isaiah 65 and Isaiah 66. Both of those chapters, he um, prophesies that he is going to create new heavens and a new earth. Well, it is now being fulfilled. So Revelation 21 verse 1 is a direct fulfillment. Let me give you the verse is a direct fulfillment of Isaiah 65, verse 17, as well as Isaiah 66 and verse 22. So I know the folks in our church, I always tell them, okay, next to this verse, write these references. I wish I had a pen right now. <laughs> so Revelation 21.1 is a fulfillment of those two verses in Isaiah. It's also mentioned in Second Peter chapter 3. And verse 13, I think, maybe. could be, um, I'm, I'm the old-fashioned guy who likes to turn in my Bible. So um, 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse um, 11, 12, 13. Um, when you look at 2 Peter 3.13, that phrase, according to his promise, we know then that we should we must then be able to find it where he is promised. Now notice this is Peter writing unto saved Jews. He is writing unto the church, but it's with that Jewish flavor. So there must have been a time where God promised, according to verse 13, and of course we go back to Isaiah 65 and 66. Anyway, just trying to give you the biblical references on this. Um, so in Revelation 21.1, And I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. Now, do you want to talk, Brother Chad, just there was no more sea? Uh, I think the common understanding of that is, well, there's no more Atlantic Ocean. There's, whatever the earth is, it's all land. There's no... There's no sea upon the earth. Well, that is not what that is referencing. Do you want to just speak yeah, that's to just, a moment about that, what that's referencing? Sure. That's referring to the crystal sea that is the division between heaven, third heaven, and the rest of creation, right? And um, we, so, so when you look at the rest, as you're going to walk us through the passage, we're going to see that because there's no more sea, that God now is dwelling with his people. That divide that was there is gone, and now God can dwell with his people. And the fulfillment of that is verse 3. And I heard in a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men. So 
this would be much like the veil that is torn. Yeah. The division between God and men has been removed. So this reference in Revelation 21.1, this is not saying, and there was no more sea, that there's no Atlantic Ocean, there's no Indian Ocean. No, it's referring to the division that right now is between where man resides and where God resides. So, and that sea, that crystal sea, um, when would we say that crystal sea is noted first in the Bible? I think it's when, when God divided the light from the darkness. I mean, would that be... Because the Bible says that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. So, but we can look out at night when the sun's not shining and we can see the universe is filled with darkness. So I, I think that when God divided the light from the darkness... Um, that's the, when that barrier that's was put. When it, at least our attention's drawn to it. Okay. I think that's fair. I don't know necessarily when any in, pa- in the past, but that's when our attention is drawn to it. Is that just, you know, not to, <clears throat> not to uh, open up another can of worms, I guess the old expression is, but, you know, you can't, you can't go to the creation account if you ask the question, what day did God create water? You're not going to find it. You can't. You You're can't say the day it. because even before God said, "Let there be light," there was water. There was already waters mm-hmm. upon the earth. Water upon the earth. So, um, and that is when God and you brought up this, brother Josh, about the firmament and how God never said that that was good. That was good in day two. Yeah. That firmament is a is a separation. It's a you know, and if you actually look at that, it's the waters from the waters. And um, I think we very sometimes ignorantly go into that thinking, uh, and that and that lends to us not being able to understand Revelation 21, verse 1, the magnitude of this verse, that the division between God and man has been taken away. It's now gone. Uh, this is actually even greater, because you would have to say... The veil being torn is spiritual access, where yes. this is physical. Yes. Right. This is physical. Um, spiritually, we are not separated from God's presence, but this is saying physically, man is no longer separated from. So we've lost the greatness of this verse just because of our misunderstanding of what is being said. Anyway, I just think it's awesome. I don't know if that's read, what you want to talk about. And there was no more see. There's no more sea. That's, yep. that's right. Well, I guess I'm not going deep water yeah. fishing anymore. Yeah. You know, it's like, what happened to the whales? <laughs> yeah. There's no more whales. Yes. So, uh, so that's verse one. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. So not to get into the debate, what we talked about, about who the bride is, but this is God fulfilling what he has promised for his, for his bride. Well, John 14, right. I, go, I go to prepare a place, and it says here, from God out of heaven, prepared 
as a bride adorned for her This is what Christ... Husband. So again, if you're, if you're studying, I don't mean to say the word class, but if you're studying, if I was at Churchill, I would say, okay, folks, next to verse 2, write John, John 14, 14, verses 1 and 2, write that down, because again, this is what I call the fulfillment mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. what Christ said he was going to do. You know, when Christ says he's going to do something, we ought to be able to find the fulfillment in the scriptures. Here's the fulfillment. What he promised to do, here's the fulfillment. So the new Jerusalem coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. We all good there? Verses one and two? Just, okay, verse three. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, okay, and here's the fulfillment of no more sea, there's no more division physically between God and men. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them. Now, he's not speaking spiritually there. He's speaking physically. His physical presence will be there. And he will be with them, and they shall be his people. And God himself shall be with them and be their God. This, uh, I believe this is finally the fulfillment of all the way back to the covenant made with Israel. That's exactly, well, you all chime in. I'm going to go back to the book of Exodus and find the... <laughs> I, guess, is that, I have Exodus 25 jotted down. Is that where he says, I shall be their God, they shall... Right. Just where Moses... So it's almost them. like that... that the building of that earthly tabernacle, which Hebrew says is a pattern or a shadow of the heavenly things, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. It's almost, I don't know if the word type is the appropriate term, but certainly it is, it is the, what would you call that? Uh, a prototype. Hmm. I don't know. I don't want to apply a, a secular category to it, but yeah. You, you the, study the tabernacle throughout scripture and what's interesting is, for instance, I connect that word tabernacle to a certain feast that Israel, there are seven feasts that Israel celebrates, and the last feast is called the Feast of Tabernacles. And the first six are done away with, but the Feast of Tabernacles in the millennium, now this is clearly after millennium, but in the millennium, uh, the Feast of Tabernacles is back, according to Zechariah 14. And... um, because, you know, Christ is here dwelling amongst men or with men. Because what is Christ's name given to us in uh, Matthew chapter 2 or 1? Maybe it's chapter 1. Uh, Isaiah chapter 7, he's called Emmanuel. He's called Emmanuel three times um, in Scripture. But we always say, oh, you know, we always think, oh, come, come Emmanuel. You know, it was very Christmassy. Um, but they didn't recognize him as God when he was here. Uh, that was the whole point. Every time he said he is God, they wanted to kill him. Um, the word Emmanuel means God with us. And what does it say here in Revelation 21.3? Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men. So God with us. He's there. Um, so Emmanuel is fulfilled, yes, in Christ, in the millennium. Um, but we see it again. So I just, you know, when I see the word tabernacle, that's where my mind goes, is the 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 presence of God amongst his people, um, whenever you see that in Scripture. And, and the, so the case to be made 
you know, when we when we started out talking about, we're going to talk about heaven. The case that we're making is that the descriptors that we commonly ascribe to heaven are actually descriptors that ascribe to New Jerusalem. Yes. And New Jerusalem was something, a new heavens and a new earth is something that is promised to whom? To to Israel. Yeah. Right. Why are you yeah. pausing and smiling? Because I wanted you I to say it. I don't want to be the one to say it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, wait a minute, wait a minute. I'm not Israel. I'm a Gentile. Well, what's this mean for me? Now you're like the poop in the punch bowl, Josh. Exactly. To say that. What's that? What's that uh, um, radio station everybody listens to? W-I-I-F-M? What's in it for me? What's in it for me? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, the pronouns here, who is the pronouns referring to? Um, where it says, and God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. Um, um, well, and why are they weeping? Well, Who's weeping? Are we ready to... Oh, boy. <laughs> well, in verse number three, and he will dwell with them. Mm-hmm. Who's the them? Um, and they shall be his people. Who's the they? And God himself shall be with them and be their God. Who is that referring to? Is that referring to all believers? Is that referring to... Um, who, who is, who is Revelation 21? Who is this written to? Who is this being written about? About. We'll say that. Okay. I think we have to go back to where the promise was made and to whom the promise was made, which you reference Isaiah 65 and 66. So those are promises that if we were, should we just look at them and verify? Sure. Like, is, is he speaking to the whole world or is he speaking to Israel? And if he's speaking to Israel, if we're going to rightly divide, then we have to make a, a division there and just state this is who New Jerusalem is for. So it's Isaiah 65, verse 17 is one occasion where the Bible speaks of a prophecy of new heavens and a new earth. Can I, you, can I read it, and you tell me when to stop, and then you explain? Okay. Okay, Isaiah 65, verse 17. For behold, I create new heavens and a new earth, and the former shall not be remembered nor come to, into mind. But be ye glad and rejoice forever in that which I create. For behold, I create Jerusalem a rejoicing, and her people a joy. And I will rejoice in Jerusalem, and joy in my people... It's like if my people, which are called yeah, by my right. name, yeah. <laughs> yep. And the voice of weeping shall be no. Oh, the voice of weeping shall be no more Is heard that in her. God shall wipe all tears. Yeah, nor okay. the voice of crying. Do we have to go any further? I don't think so. I mean, can we can we say that this stuff. this is a promise given unto Jerusalem, and it's being fulfilled in Revelation twenty one. I would agree. Yeah, and. Um, it again in Isaiah 66, um, you know, it's obviously speaking of Israel. Uh, the verse is 22, but if you read before and after, it is clearly speaking of the nation of Israel. It's not referring to the church. Um, so then the rest of that, of Revelation 21, all of these descriptors, like verse 10, Verse 10 of 21 is when he, John is carried away in the spirit to a great and high mountain 
and showed me that great city, the holy Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God. Okay. Having the glory of God in her light. And then you have all these descriptions. And all of these descriptions are ones that we typically ascribe to heaven. Like if you ask any Christian, where does the Bible say heaven's he- heaven has streets of gold? They'll take you to Revelation, Revelation 21. 21. Where does it say they have pearl gates of pearl? Revelation well, it says 21. it right there. Well, wait a minute. This isn't describing heaven. Because in verse 2, the holy city, New Jerusalem, is coming down from God out of, of heaven. heaven. Right. So it's exiting third heaven, if you will, where it's being, I mean, if Jesus said in John 14 that I go to prepare a place for you, we could make the argument that New Jerusalem is even now being prepared. Mm-hmm. I mean, because he said that's why he's going away. Can I interject something really quick? So I think it's important uh, for the student of Scripture to know when you see a word in Scripture, for instance, I'm, I'm just going to kind of rabbit trail something very quickly, so just hang on. When you see the word salvation in the Bible, if you're just reading along and you come to the word salvation, it's not always talking about the soteriological salvation that we have. Being born again. Being born again. It's not always talking about that. Sometimes it's talking about a physical salvation that, that Israel will receive or has received or whatever. You know what I mean? I'm just using that word as an Moses example. at the Red Sea, stand still and see, see the, the salvation, salvation of, of the Lord. God. Yeah. Yes. So the same is true with the word heaven. So if I approach the scripture, because I've had people ask me this, you know, is God going to, God, you know, the new heaven, the heaven and earth have passed away. You know, what's he going to do with the heaven? He's going to destroy it. And we get this thinking that the heaven where our loved ones are right now, or the abode of God is the place that's destroyed. Like, where's God going to go when he destroys heaven? Yeah, I've had that question given to me. So I want to make sure that the listener also knows when we're talking about a new heaven, it's not referring to the abode of God, the third heaven. It's not talking about that place. That place has never changed and never will change. Um, it's talking about the what I, I would go to, the first heaven, um, even the second heaven to some extent, but never the third heaven. So I want to make sure, again, I'm interjecting here for a second, sure. but I wanted to make sure that we, so when we're talking about the new Jerusalem coming out of heaven, my mind went to a listener or even, a, you know, myself at one point, the casual reader that goes, well, I thought heaven was destroyed. So this new Jerusalem comes out of the new heaven. Well, not the abode of God heaven. So um, that's it's so important to help um, the student of scripture know just because the same word is used over here, like I said, like the word salvation, it's not always talking about the exact same thing. So um, anyway, I, I wanted to interject that just to make sure. Because when we talk about heaven in just a little bit, I'm assuming we'll get there. I don't know. <laughs> We're going to be referring to the third heaven just so that much has never references changed. Here, uh, again, verse 4, and God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. That goes back to the verse we just read back in Isaiah 65, 65. 17, and those subsequent verses talking about their weeping. Um, Verse 5, for those who say that Israel is the wife who's been cast off, she is the adulterous wife. Well, the Bible says in verse 5, behold, I make all things new. So uh, that's Hosea chapter 2, where it says, ye shall sing again as ye did in the days of Egypt when their covenant first began. He's going to restore 
her purity. He's going to restore uh, her virginity again, mm. the nation of Israel. Behold, I make all things new. Well, how can that happen? God can do whatever he wants That's to right. do. Yeah. He, can, right. he can do whatever he wants to do. Um, and um, there are... These are Jewish references. Verse 7, he that overcometh shall inherit all things. Um, that is not New Testament salvation that we uh, preach. Uh, this is something specifically, I believe, for Israel. And I will be his God, and he shall be my son. Um, and then Brother Chad read about verse number 9, Come hither, I will show thee the bride, the lamb's wife. Well, clearly the angel in the next few verses shows the new Jerusalem. For those, So for those who say, well, the new Jerusalem is the bride of the Holy Spirit, well, verse 9 would disagree with you. Kind of the lamb's because wife. Because it's yeah. the lamb's wife is what he's about to be shown. So um, then in verse number 10, and this is where Brother Chad left off, is then describing the New Jerusalem. And all again, the point that we're making, all these descriptions that we've ever heard of heaven is describing the New Jerusalem. And you remember at the beginning of the podcast, I made the statement that I don't believe I'm going to spend all eternity in heaven. It is because I believe we're going to spend all of eternity in the New Jerusalem. That's where we're going to spend because that's where God is going to be. Remember, the church and Christ have are now one body. And so wherever Christ is, that's where his church is, because we are his body. Just like you can't go anywhere without your body, except maybe in Star Trek or something. Yeah. Um, so it's the same. Once Christ and his body are united at the rapture, wherever he goes, we go. So can I uh, read a verse? Yes. In the same chapter, Revelation 21. Uh, verse 22. Notice there's no C. We notice that in verse 1. But verse 22, and I saw no temple therein. For the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are the temple of it. And the city had, excuse me, and the city had no need of the sun, neither of the moon, to shine in it. For the glory of God did lighten it, and the Lamb is the light thereof. And the nations. That's where I was going. And the nations of them which are saved shall walk in the light of it, and the kings of the earth do bring their glory and honor into it. So I just wanted to focus. You know, you keep referring to, I'm going to, you know, we're going to live there, dwell there. And we've referenced several Israel verses. Uh, like, for instance, the word overcometh, he that overcometh. That's not New Testament salvation. Um, which replacement theology has crept in, and that a lot of people believe that a person can give up or lose their salvation based on those kinds of verses. Um, but then you see in verse 24, and the nations of them which are saved, would you say that is you and I? Or is that talking about salvation on a physical? Or we is have, it talking, okay, so I think you get what I'm saying? I'm just right, but we have to like put it in its right chronology, yes. which these are nations that are in the millennium, mm -hmm. and kings that are coming out of the millennium. And we know, correct me if I'm wrong, but the whole Gog and Magog thing 
is actually at the end of the millennium. Of the millennium. Yes. We don't even know how the nations are going to be ordered wait, at that wait. point. Wait, Russia invading Ukraine wasn't Gog and Magog? I, I mean, it could be a type <laughs> of. I don't know. No. Stop. Stop Sorry. it, John Hagee. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> you get your blood moons out of here. Okay. Here's my here's my answer. Again, it is millennium. Um, Matthew 25 is the judgment of the nations, the goats and the sheep. The Bible says in Zechariah 2 and verse um, 8 tells us how these nations shall be judged upon the earth. For thus saith the Lord of hosts, after the glory hath he sent me. Whenever you see that word glory, it's always referring to the return of Christ. Hmm. Um, hath he sent me unto the nations which spoiled you? For he that toucheth you toucheth the apple of his eye. So the nations, Matthew 25, Christ goes over the judgment of the nations. He's going to judge them based not on the, whether they believed in the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, but how they have treated the nation of Israel. The Bible says, verse 9, how he's going to treat the goats. For behold, I will shake mine hand upon them, and they shall be a spoil to, thy, to their servants, and ye shall know that the Lord of hosts hath sent me. Then verse number 11 speaks to the sheep, those nations that are judged, that have been a friend to the apple of his eye, verse 11. And so I believe Zechariah 2.11 is the fulfillment of Revelation 21.24. Hmm. And many nations shall be joined to the Lord. And we know it's millennial kingdom because of the phrase, in that day. In that day, yeah. And shall be my people, and I will dwell in the midst of thee, and thou shalt know that the Lord of hosts hath sent me unto thee. So I, I believe it's the fulfillment of Zechariah 2. When we say that they're saved, and this is probably another good podcast, but we, would you say that though their salvation is not faith in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, would you say that their salvation is still by faith? Like at that time in the millennium, by faith, they are uh, treat well God's people. Do you know what I mean? Like, how do we, because the Bible says the just shall live by faith. Well, I, I believe that salvation is always, it's always been the same. Um, well, I'll put it this way. Imputed righteousness. Okay. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Um, but by faith. Right, uh, and the definition of faith is to believe. Believing God, right. um, because remember Jesus in John twenty, when he was, remember we call him doubting Thomas. Although the word doubt is never associated with Thomas, the word doubt is actually associated with Peter, A not lot. Thomas. <laughs> but anyway, he says he said to Thomas, he said, "Be not faithless, but believing." So Christ right there defined faith. It's belief. And the Bible, Genesis 15, 6, and Abraham believed God, and it was counted unto him for righteousness. So um, at this time, you know, when you look at the everlasting gospel that is preached to the nations in Revelation 11, the, the angel that preaches the everlasting gospel, it actually 
defines the everlasting gospel, and it's not the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ in Revelation 11. Mm. So what they are to believe at that time, these nations that are added unto the Lord are going to believe. Uh, another passage would be Isaiah chapter 2, where it talks about the nations... Um, I believe this is speaking of the nations in Isaiah 2, verse 2. And shall come to pass in the last days that the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established in the top of the mountains and shall be exalted above the hills, and all nations shall flow unto it. And then verse 3, and many people shall go and say. So I believe these many people are from these nations. Come ye and let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, and he will teach us of his ways, and we will walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth the law and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem, and he shall judge among the nations and shall rebuke many people, and they shall beat their, notice their implements of war will be changed to implements of peace into plowshares and their spears and pruning hooks. Nation shall not lift up sword against nation. Neither, he takes the very knowledge of war or away from them. Neither shall they learn war anymore. So I believe Isaiah 2 as well is speaking of that time. Um, Zechariah further speaks of those nations who will not worship. You notice... The Bible says the Lord shall rebuke many in that day, those who do not come to worship. That is Zechariah 14 and verse 16. And it shall come to pass that everyone that is left of all the nations which came against Jerusalem shall even go up from year to year to worship the king, the Lord of hosts, and to keep the Feast of Tabernacles. And it shall be, and here's the judgment, if they don't come to worship, God is going to withhold the rain from them, which means... They're going to perish. They're, mm. they're going to starve to death. Uh, so I do believe during this time, during the millennial kingdom, there will be nations which will believe. The only reason that they're in the kingdom of heaven is because of how they treated. But then while they're there, they are going to believe on him. They right. are going to come and learn of his ways. The Bible says they're going to walk in his paths. And so I believe those are the nations um, that so, so Revelation 21 is talking about. So they're they're going to be saved by faith, They'll right? Which right. is they're going to believe they're going to believe on God, um, the same that. <laughs> it's funny because <laughs> after the rapture, after the rapture, that ends. I believe the the my gospel that Paul. I just preached on it this past Sunday, the My Gospel, and um, we we started this podcast by saying the Old Testament saints who believed didn't go to heaven. They went to a place of holding. Well, it appears to me to be the same during the tribulation. The Bible says that there are saints that are waiting under the throne saying, how long before you avenge us? And God tells them that they need to wait, that they're in a place of waiting. And so 
again, I'm not claiming to know all the answers or know all the, but it appears to me that after the age of the church is, is gone, that um, they then need to believe in the everlasting gospel, which is Revelation 11. And, um, and whenever you mention that there's more than one gospel, oh my, you all of a sudden, I think it's Revelation 11 or no, 14, forgive me. It's Revelation 14, verse 6. I saw another angel fly in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel to preach unto them that dwell on the earth and to every nation. Okay, this is, this is the first time that every nation of the earth, the gospel is going to be preached unto them, and it's going to be the everlasting gospel. Every nation, kindred, tongue, and people, verse 6, saying with a loud voice, okay, here's the everlasting gospel, fear... God, and give glory to him, for the hour of his judgment is come, and worship him that made heaven and earth and the sea and the fountains of waters. That's the everlasting Question. gospel. Would you connect that to Matthew 24, 14? 24, 14. Where Jesus is referring to this time, and he says, and this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations, there it is again, and then shall the end come. Yes. Okay. So I believe Revelation, well, we just read 14, 6 and 7 is the fulfillment of what Jesus said in Matthew, Matthew 24, 24 and verse 14. And you'll notice there, he says, and this gospel, he's speaking of a specific, a specific gospel. Yeah. And it's not the gospel that you and I preach. That's right. It's not New Testament salvation and which the, is why we can i mean this you, may have to be a, a future <laughs> we should we should podcast yeah. verse 13 whenever you mention another gospel because they'll just go to galatians well if they preach any of the gospel let them be accursed well remember what paul said in galatians whether a man or an angel preach any other gospel let him be accursed well there's an angel preaching another gospel in revelation 14 um now, Paul is correct, because that is the only gospel for the age for in which Paul is referring right. to. So 1 Corinthians 15, right, when, when Paul That's says... That's my gospel. I declare unto you the gospel. Correct. Right. And then... That is for this New that Testament. Is, that is death, this dispensational right. gospel. Death, correct. burial, resurrection of Jesus Christ. Right. Because by definition, the word gospel, biblically defined, is just glad tidings. It's not... Well, how, how, if you ask the average Christian, what is the definition of the gospel? It's the death, burial, resurrection of Christ. That is the glad tidings for today. But the basic biblical definition is just glad tidings. Well, and why is it glad tidings? It's glad tidings of, of deliverance, mm -hmm. right, of salvation um, made available through. But there's glad tidings of the kingdom. Sure. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Or that we see in, Israel in Matthew 24. Israel still hasn't believed on Christ That's right. as the Messiah. So before they can believe on the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, they first must accept him. As Messiah. They must, they must, um, you know, they must believe. Um, Here's what I find interesting. the gospel of the kingdom before they... 
Well, the use of the word nations, right? The, the saving of the nations. Like that's, that's how God deals with Israel. He deals with them as a nation. And so all Israel shall be saved. Correct, okay? yes. But it's weird because in our age, he's very much he's dealing with the individual. Yes. Uh, what must I do to be saved, right? Mm-hmm. So it's, I have no comment other than that's just interesting to me that there is that feature that the nations, as a nation, uh, people will be saved because of as a, how they act as a people. Well, the greatest verse to declare that in one verse is a verse that all the modern perversions ruin because uh, they can't understand the these, the thous, the use, the yees. Marvel not that I said unto thee, ye, ye must be born again. So there he's concerned for the individual, thee, as well as the nation, ye. ye. Um, so when we do away with that, we lose the gravity of what is being said. Uh, God is looking for the nation to repent. Now, the nation did not repent. Did he then ignore the individual Jew who did repent? No, of course not. So, but Israel as a nation will repent, all of them. Right, in order for the promises made to be fulfilled... There does have to be a national yes, response. Yes. Yeah, that's what Peter. That's we, Romans eleven. Yeah, we've never gone into uh, Acts two. What is it? Thirty-eight. <laughs> that is that is a national repentance that he's calling for. Repent and be baptized for the remission of sins. Remission he is, is not calling forgiveness. For a every, national, every one of you, I think he says. Every one of you. Every one. Yeah. He's calling for a national repentance. Now, you know, obviously the charismatic crowd have misinterpreted that, but. Um, I think this is going into more than one podcast. Sure. I haven't, I we haven't really discussed heaven yet. No. <laughs> I know, I know. We've gotten into these other neat little side trails. I, I think guess. we made the case successfully, though, that, that all of the descriptions that we, we attribute to heaven. Yeah, let's wrap that up. And then maybe the next podcast, let's talk about these gospels. Since we kind of threw it out there, sure. we don't want our listeners. You want to do that? We'll do that next, okay. the next podcast. Yeah, but why don't we wrap up right now? You know, well, okay, let's that, go back to heaven. Correct. Let's do it. Let's go right now. So, yeah, all no, right. <laughs> so, okay, if streets of gold, walls of jasper, gates of pearl, um, that is not heaven. Correct. So what does the Bible say heaven then is? Can I start with one of my favorite passages? Do it. Yes. Okay. Um, I always go to Isaiah 6. Okay. Um, the Bible says in Isaiah 6, which I think is interesting. Maybe it's another podcast for another day. Isaiah 6, 1, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord. And if you're a Bible student and you read the Old Testament, a lot of the time, actually most of the time, the word Lord is found. It's in all caps. Whereas in Isaiah 6, 1, it's not. Whenever you have the Lord, not all caps, capital L, little O-R-D, I believe, and we'll, again, another podcast for another day, a different study, but that's Jesus Christ in the Old Testament. And um, so who does he see? Okay, so in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. According to Hebrews chapter 9, the temple, tabernacle, is the earthly, visible description or 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 shadow shadow that's the the bible uses of the heavenly right um so there's a temple um verse two above it 
stood the seraphims, which according to Revelation chapter 4, we can go to that in just a little bit, it gives us a beautiful description of these seraphims and what they look like. Uh, each one had six wings, with twain he covered his face, with twain he covered his feet, and with twain he did fly. Which I think is interesting. So far, in, for, in two verses, Isaiah is in the throne room of God, and we don't see gates. I've yet to read about streets of gold, walls. Verse 3, And one cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory, which again, they don't say that to the Lord. The Bible says they cry one to another. And the post of the door and the voice of him that cried and the house was filled with smoke. And then said I, woe is me, for I am undone because I am a man of unclean lips and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. And that word Lord is all caps. And what a beautiful connection there. So, Again, I jump to Isaiah 6 because Isaiah is in the throne room of God. He says he sees a throne, and that's in a temple. And according to Ezekiel chapter 1, which we can use that one, Revelation chapter 4, they all go to the same place because they're very descriptive of, you know what I mean, uh, everything that they see, they kind of commentate on each other. So we can get a beautiful picture of what, place my father-in-law is at right now. It's not streets of gold. He's in a place where, quite frankly, it's not very descriptive. Oh, no, we'll get to more descriptions in Revelation 4, but it's not about us. Would you agree that if you talk about mansions, streets of gold, walls of jasper, we're thinking of a, of a paradise, I mean, it's not paradise like the scripture uses it, but a, but a comfort to us, which we can be comforted. Okay, I'm not saying that. But I think we lose focus on the fact that it's about him, right? Because we, we read scripture that way. Well, what's in it for me? Well, sometimes we think heaven the same way. Well, what's in it for me? How am I going to dwell? Is everything going to be all right? Am I going to be upset? Am I, well, the focus is on the Lord. Am, am I wrong? So go ahead. You had something well. I mean, the only structure we have record of in heaven is the house of this house. This house. That's it. That's right. That's the only. And isn't the word temple also in Revelation four? It might be. Um, I know the throne is there. I thought. Well, I'm obviously wrong. So you take it away, Josh. Um. So I was going to Ezekiel one where um, the Bible says in verse 4, and I looked, and behold, a whirlwind came out of the north. <laughs> That's interesting. A great cloud and a fire enfolding itself, and brightness was about it, and out of the midst thereof as the color of amber, out of the midst of the fire. Also, out of the midst thereof came the likeness of four living creatures, which are the seraphim of Isaiah 6. And this was their appearance. They had the likeness of a man, and everyone had four faces, and everyone had four wings. And their feet were straight feet, and the sole of their feet was like the sole of a calf's foot, and they sparkled like the color of burn, burnished brass. And they had hands of a man under their wings, and their four sides, and their four had, excuse me, and they four had their faces and their wings. Their wings were joined one to another. They turned and went 
when they went, they went everyone straight forward. And as for the likeness of their faces, they had four, excuse me, they four had the face of a man, the face of a lion on the right side, and they four had the face of an ox on the left side, and they four also had the face of an eagle, which again, you can go to Revelation 4 and see those same faces. But I see some crazy beings around a throne. The Bible says in verse uh, 13, as for the likeness of the living creatures, their appearance was like burning coals of fire and their, excuse me, and like the appearance of lamps and went up and down among the living creatures and fire was bright and out of the fire went forth lightning. So we have a great description of these seraphim, these creatures. And then in Revelation 4, we find these creatures again. It says in Revelation chapter 4, uh, let's see here. I'll start with verse 1. After this, I looked, and behold, a door was opened in heaven. And the first voice which I heard was, as it were, of a trumpet talking with me, which said, Come up hither, and I will show thee things which must be hereafter. Immediately I was in the Spirit, and behold, a throne, Isaiah 6, was set in heaven, and one sat on the throne, and he was... He that was he that sat was to look upon like a jasper and a sardine stone, and there was a rainbow round about the throne, and sight like unto an emerald. Round about the throne were four and twenty seats, which we can discuss that one later. And upon the seats I saw four and twenty elders sitting, clothed in white raiment, and they had on their heads crowns of gold. Out of the throne proceeded lightnings and thunderings and voices, and there were seven lamps of fire burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. Before the throne, there was a sea of glass, like unto crystal. There's your crystal sea. And in the midst of the throne and round about the throne were four beasts full of eyes before and behind. The first beast was like a lion, second beast like a calf, third beast had the face as a man, and the fourth beast was like a flying eagle, Ezekiel chapter 1. And the four beasts had each of them six wings about him, and they were full of eyes within. And they rest not day and night, and said, Isaiah chapter 6, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, which was and is and is to come. Every time somebody goes to the third heaven, which I've seen in Ezekiel 1, Isaiah 6, Revelation 4, it's describing a throne. Isaiah 6 is thrones in a temple. And there's some seraphim. And there's some weird-looking creatures. If you, if you, um, if, I'm not an artist, but if you draw these creatures out, it's not the, the typical what we would call an angel as we see today. You know what I mean? And, uh, of course, you're never going to find angels with wings in Scripture. You see the seraphim with wings, and you see the cherubim with wings. But, um, anyway, I just, those are my favorite passages Revelation 5 also has some images of heaven. Um, but I also want to take note that the 24 seats, the 24 elders, are not seen in Isaiah or Ezekiel, but they are seen in Revelation. And so I think there's a reason for that, but um, I'm just going to set the stage there. But I think this gives description of what heaven, we're actually, you know, the point of this podcast is the description of what heaven is. Is it, like that's right, and not much. No, you don't. You don't get much besides the crystal sea and the fact there's a throne 
in a temple. And these, and these seraphim. What other, I can't think of any other biblical description that's given of heaven. And I never, I never, when somebody describes heaven, I never hear them mention any of those things. That's right. Besides maybe the crystal sea, maybe. Um, they mention everything else, which is the new Jerusalem. Can we, can I, sometimes I think there's terms that we take for granted. For example, near where uh, I live, there's a lake called Crystal Lake. But you can't walk on Crystal Lake because it's water. But unless Crystal... It's January. Right, unless it's January. <laughs> well, well, well said. But a crystal is something that is solid, mm-hmm. that's hard. So when we say, we read Crystal Sea, that is a solid surface that is made of crystal. Right, we're not talking liquid. Right, we're not talking liquid. So I was, as you're reading, and there's a door that opens in heaven. Yeah. In my brain, I'm like, okay, is the door in the floor like a trap door? Or is the door in, you know, in heaven? And and is heaven, um, is the temple a house within heaven? Or is heaven itself... The temple. What's what's interesting? Like, what's the square footage? So, what's thing? interesting? The square footage. What what do we know about the temple, as far as the furnishings? Okay, whether it be the tabernacle or the temple, you have um, the brazen altar. You know, there's you know outside. You, outside, mm-hmm. you have um, the altar of showbread, or table of showbread, the altar of incense, the candlestick, the the Ark of the Covenant. Which things are inside. Which things are inside. But I just I just think it's interesting. There's a temple. The laver. Of all the descriptions, the laver is never given a size. We don't know the size of the laver. And in 1 Kings, the Bible calls the laver the sea. So I just think that's interesting. Um, just wanted to point that one out. I don't know if that's connected to the temple in heaven with this crystal sea. Would we agree that the throne, okay, so the earthly tabernacle, Mm -hmm. the most holy place. Had a seat. A mercy seat, but that's, but that is the throne. Yes. Like, like I believe Christ, I believe that the throne, the seat that is seated in heaven is that mercy seat. Okay. I believe that. Right. In in the temple, the true temple. right, 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 right. Right. I don't believe Indiana Jones is going to find the ark. Sure, and that in that in heaven, mm-hmm. off to the side of God's throne, is the temple. No, I think they're one and the same. I think they're one and the same. Yes. Okay. The throne room of God is that temple. Right. Yes, I believe that. Good stuff. Because his really train fun. filled the temple. Right. That's what it says in in um, Isaiah. Mm-hmm. And these four beasts with their four faces, you know. Um, I believe we have some description given for us. Again, heaven is not about us, nor is it about the angels, nor is it about the seraphim, because what are they saying to each other? They're not saying it to the Lord. They're saying it to each other. Holy, holy, holy is the <laughs> Lord. And their faces, one had the face of a, a lion. A lion, a man. Well, Jesus Christ is king. That's the book of Matthew. One had the face of a calf. Jesus Christ is servant. That's Mark. One on the face of a man, he's man, that's Luke. 
the face of an eagle. He's God. That's John. And um, I believe it, it's all about Christ and, and his, his dwelling, his abode. So um, Stephen got to see it before he died. Um, so I just think just some interesting little it is snidbits of information. I think what's so. interesting with Isaiah and Ezekiel, because, <clears throat> okay, is, this, is there the significant that what they had were visions? Because you notice there's no reference to them being in the Spirit. This is true. Meaning they, were glor- they had to be glorified to go there, whereas with Paul and John... Both of them have reference to actually being there, being there. So, so I believe with Isaiah and Ezekiel, they saw they saw the vision where Paul and John literally went there, hmm. physically went there. That's and a good they point. had to be changed. So, in the same way that Stephen saw, even okay. as he was still on the earth, yeah, correct, yeah. That's because a good point. Yeah. if Isaiah physically went. How could he be a man of unclean lips? That's right. He obviously wasn't glorified in order to go. That's so, a good point. But the Bible says it's a vision. You know, it's a vision. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. And again, the twenty-four seats are missing in the first two descriptions. Um, and then also, here's something that I think is I've yet to figure out. Maybe you guys can help me. Whenever there's a dis- discrepancy, I'm using that in air quotes in scripture. It's not scripture. It's us. So. We know this to be true and holy and perfect. So when we, well, what about, hang on, the, the issue is our understanding, not here. Isaiah and Revelation both described these creatures with six wings, whereas Ezekiel said they had four. So that's, I'm going, maybe he missed two? <laughs> you know what I mean? He's looking and, I don't know. Uh, so well, every, just... every time a bell rings... That's right. That's right. right. So, so he was behind Isaiah. So the right. the, the so angel didn't get his wings. Every time a bell rings, an angel gets his wings. So. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> well, I just you know again, I don't know. Somebody asked me that yeah, question. I, I had to. I, I don't know. I know. I know that to be true. So I. Ha- it's just you know again. And perhaps it will have meaning for us when we get there. That's right. It's truly. And I think that's important for us yeah. to know. There's we don't. It's not for us to know all things. Right. So those are my favorite three chapters. Sure. When somebody and I says, think those are, those what's, are, what's heaven like? Those are the three it. I go to. Yeah. Which you would have to say, very limited. Very mm-hmm. limited. Mm-hmm. You know, there's much more description of hell. Mm. There's much more description of the New Jerusalem. Although there isn't a whole lot of description of hell. Would, it, would you say he doesn't give us much because we can't get it? Like... Our finite minds. I don't know. I, want, I was just thinking that he doesn't give us much because that is not our eternal abode. Okay. Like if that's I, a good, that, we, we good. went on trips, right? Yeah. So when we told, when you came back and you told people about your trip to Georgia, you probably did not spend a ton of time talking about our stop at Cracker Barrel. Hmm. Right? I and, vaguely remember that stuff. Uh, yeah. So. Because we drove through <laughs> the night, all night. Right. <laughs> We're, yeah. we're, we're an hour like 27 at that point. So yeah. <laughs> we smelled of long trip. That's right. <laughs> so maybe that, I don't know. That's very well, simple I think thinking. Also, to me, the big reason why there's not much description of heaven. Okay. Today, when we share the gospel, what is the primary thing we try to motivate? Don't you someone? want to go to heaven? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Which is never a biblical reason to get Agreed. saved. Yeah. Yes. So do, I believe the reason why there's not much description of heaven is he doesn't want that 
to be the motivation. Mm. The scriptural motivation to be saved is Romans 5.1, we're at peace with God. Yeah. That's right. That's yes, the reason that's to good. be saved. That's right. But we've turned it into... Don't you want to go to heaven? Because it's easy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Who doesn't want to? Right. But and actually... We do a great... But yeah. actually, the heaven we're promoting... Is the, is the new, new Jerusalem. Jerusalem. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, don't you want to go to New Jerusalem? Don't you want to go to the New <laughs> Jerusalem? No. <laughs> uh, because anyway, well, how about we end it there? Is that, that was great. Uh, so, so I mean, it is true that at this current time, if we were to pass away, we would go to heaven. Yes. But heaven's not our eternal abode. That's that's great. I'm thankful because God for that. is changing His eternal abode. The tabernacle yeah. of God is, is with the men. sea with is men. gone, yeah. right? With yep. men, so He's coming to the new earth out of quarantine. Yes. I mean, if you think about it, there's no sin there. That's the good. rest of like first and second heaven are quarantined from uh, from heaven because of sin. Yeah, I'm supposed to finish. <laughs> That's good. Well, it's good to be back with you once again. We are from Mission Control. Once again, it, it has it's been like be. two months <laughs> since we've been here in Mission Control. So, But uh, we will join you once again. But thank you for joining us at Backwards Theology.